What's up and welcome to the Match Mad Podcast. This podcast follows my life and interest in the experience of others. We take on a range of topics as broad as life itself and talk in depth with people who live those experiences so that you can be informed and entertained. So, relax, sit down, Match Mad. You stare into the abyss and the abyss stares back. You stare into the abyss and the abyss stares back. You stare into the abyss, and the abyss stares back. Yes, it does. The abyss stares back. Welcome back to Match Mad. And since it's Halloween, I wanted to talk about some scary shit. And the scary shit for me are groups of human beings. Now, the groups of human beings I'm talking in particular about are cults. Now, there are multiple reasons I decided to talk about cults this month. One of them being the rise of QAnon since 2016. And the other is my unhealthy obsession with how people change. I wanted to understand how someone functioning in our everyday reality without some form of medical intervention changes to another reality. Until further notice, I will be citing three books as primary sources. The first two are Losing Reality and Thought Reform and the Psychology of Totalism by Dr. Robert J. Lifton, Psychiatrist whose work focuses on psychological effects of war and political violence. The other book is Combating Cult Mind Control by Stephen Hassan, who is an American mental health counselor, activist, and cult survivor. I will be attempting to use these, along with other articles and scholarly sources, to provide insight into cults. Now, we attempt to tackle this proverbial rack of ribs, but we need to define what a cult actually is which is something we cannot do unless we address that the term cult has a negative connotation. Many people debate upon the differences between cult and a new religion. So let's start with the basic definition. According to Merriam-Webster, a cult is a religion regarded as unorthodox or spurious. But we know that this is a shallow definition of a complex thing. This is because cults are not inherently religious. Cults may have practices that are found in religious groups, such as meditating, prayer, offering, etc. But cults are more often secular in nature. A second definition from Webster defines a cult as a usually small or narrow circle of persons united by devotion or allegiance to some artistic or intellectual program, tendency, or figure. This seems to be a bit more encompassing of other forms of cults. But we will use Stephen Assange's definition which is any group in which mind control is used in destructive ways. We will connect this with Dr. Lifton's categories of defining cults, which state that cults shift worship from broad spirituality to a guru. The pursuit of through reform and extensive exploitation from the guru. So we've defined a cult as more than not non-religious. Then what kind of cults are out there? Great question, you guys. There are, according to Hassan, four types of cults. Religious, political, psychotherapy slash educational, and commercial. No, that some of these categories intersect in cases such as Scientology. Let's start off with religious cults, with what we know. Religious cults are the most popular in notoriety and membership. They focus on religious dogma. They range from the Bible to the way, the occult, and some are invented by the leader. These cults claim to be strictly faith-based, 
but their leaders live a life of excess and hypocrisy. They own large business enterprises, purchase jets, and large estates. Political cults, on the other hand, are often on the news, but they aren't labeled as cults. They are labeled as fringe or extremist groups, groups such as the Boogaloo or the Proud Boys. We don't often label them as cults because we don't see them as employing mind control because we have a static view of how people politically align. We are often wrong. Political cults have used mind controls methods throughout Facebook since the beginning of the 2016 election. Mark Zuckerberg knows this too. Remember, mind control can begin by the circulation of a particular set of memes into popular culture such as Pepe the Frog. To move on to our next set of cults, which are psychotherapy slash educational cults, they hold workshops that claim to provide attendees with the path to enlightenment, usually in hotels. This usually includes some form of hypnotic euphoria or peak experience. Those who wish to continue learning or experiencing this euphoria join more expensive courses and graduate to become parts of the group. Once in the group, members are encouraged to make others join or cut them off from you. Recruiters of the program usually are tight-lipped about what it entails. Usually these people running such groups have no credentials and are high-level finessers. And our last cult are commercial cults. Now this might make you think a little bit. Commercial cults are finance-driven privately and publicly. They manipulate people into working for little to no pay in the hopes of one day becoming rich through the program. Most of these are pyramid schemes or multi-level marketing organizations. They destroy the self-esteem of their victims who are not becoming rich despite their work and commitment. Their success does not rely on selling products or services but recruiting people who can recruit more members. You will not be fired from this group. These cults may have you selling knives, bad tasting meal substitutes, roofing, and pictures on Instagram of 14 people traveling out of the country to trade. They find you on social media, door-to-door -door services, newspaper ads, radio, other forms of meetings. They set their interviews for work into hotel rooms, and unfinished suites within buildings, preying on college and high school students. When people are accepted into the program, they have to pay money to be trained and are sent to faraway areas to sell merchandise. These people often become manipulated to sell harder through guilt from the group's ideologies. Over time, people become like slaves to the company and pay them for living expenses. Pimps and human traffickers often function this way. Pimps are scum who prey upon young women and should be treated as such. For future reference, we will be using terms such as brainwashing and mind control throughout these few episodes. I wanted to make a clear distinction between the two because they are not interchangeable. Brainwashing is a, is a term coined by the CIA, originally used to describe the state of prisoners of war in Korea who have been rejected of their rest in life. So when these people were prisoners of war, they found that once they were released, that they were completely changed as people. They rejected everything about their Western life and the way they lived before. To understand the difference between brainwashing and mind control, we must understand that brainwashing is coercive. And the person being brainwashed understands they are in some form of danger. Mind control is more nuanced than that. According to Hassan, mind control involves little to no abuse 
and is a set of hypnotic processes are combined with group dynamics to create a potent indoctrination effect. The individual is deceived and manipulated, but not directly threatened into making the prescribed choices. The victim more often responds positive to the stimulus. Brainwashing, in contrast, is an eight-step program, which more often than not is used with a resistant subject. Since we are talking about cults that people willingly join, mind control will be discussed more in this episode than brainwashing would be. With that distinction between mind control and brainwashing out of the way, let's unravel the most complex and prevalent point of ident- identifying a cult, mind control and its tactics. You may say, man, mind control, what the fuck are you talking about? Aren't you the guy who makes fun of conspiracy theorists? Eh, hit me out, hit me out, hit me out. Mind control is a very real and employed tactic around the world. Be clear, mind control is not about antenna or sci-fi technology. And you, yes you, at some point have experienced a form of mind control and are susceptible to it. Remember this fact in the future. I'll share a definition before I give an example. According to Hassan, mind control is any system of influence that disrupts an individual's authentic identity and replaces it with a new one. Mind control is any system of influence that disrupts an individual's authentic identity and replaces it with a new one. I repeated that for a reason. Now, as promised, here's an example of mind control by Hassan in our present day. I'll read from his aforementioned book, which you can find in the notes of this podcast. Imagine, if you will, the following scenes. Saffron road men on the street corners dancing and chanting with cymbals and drums. Bedraggled young people running from car to car, selling flowers in the pouring rain. Glassy-eyed men and women confronting people behind folding tables near busy intersections, asking for money to quarantine AIDS victims and build particle beam weapons. Over 100 people, men, women, and children, lying dead, face down in the mud. Mention coats to someone, And these might be some of the images you'll evoke. Yet these images do not actually represent cults, mind control, and undue influence as they exist today. They represent only a small fraction of these phenomena. Now, imagine then a different set of images. Business executives in three-piece suits sitting in hotel ballrooms for company-sponsored awareness training, not permitted to stand up or leave, even to go to the bathroom. Housewives attending psych-up rallies so they can recruit friends and neighbors into a multi-level marketing organization. Hundreds of students gathering at an accredited university being told they can levitate and fly through the air if only they meditate hard enough. High school students practicing satanic rituals involving blood and urine being directed by an older leader who claims he will help them develop their personal power. Troubled teens being sent off to boot camps by their deceived parents, unregulated by the government, some run by religious groups who seek to convert them. Hundreds of women and men of every description paying huge sums to learn cosmic truths from some channeled spirit. Tens of thousands of women dressed in long dresses, living in harem-type households, run by men with long beards, young girls and women, and men and boys too, being trained to kill, rape, and even blow up themselves in the name of Allah. 
These are the forms that mind control take today. So, are you convinced that you have experienced some form of mind control in your life? No? Well, let us unpack this. We'll restate Hassan's definition of mind control because his work is the most detailed and current. His definition stating, mind control is any system of influence that disrupts an individual's authentic identity and replaces it with a false one. Cults disrupts and harms one's identity as an individual. Our individual identities are made up of our beliefs, behaviors, thought processes, and emotions. The process of mind controls alter those core elements of individual identity and undermines our agency in making independent decisions. Mind control through destructive cults employs a combination of hypnotic processes and group dynamics to manipulate the person to making these choices. Yes, I said hypnotic processes. These all don't include a locket going back and forth as you were told to buck as a chicken. No. These hypnotic processes are trances induced through long indoctrination sessions, chants, or forms of meditation. Trances are experiences when all of our senses are focused inward, and during trances, we are more susceptible to accepting information being given during them because they are pleasant experiences. People in trances are slow to blink, have blank facial expressions, and will ignore reflexes. Psychologists have observed that people within trances are less able to evaluate information critically due to the change in their mental state. People who view this as a pleasant experience are more likely than not to return so that they can have this pleasant experience again. Alongside that trance is what makes a person act against their individual integrity more than anything else, other groups of people. We often wonder what usually makes good-natured individual people inflict harm once they are part of an organization. Black people wonder why black police officers carry out the duties of the state. Or in extreme cases, how did so many Germans become Nazis, despite not every German believing in Hitler's ideologies? Well, it is a combination of things that does not excuse the individual from their actions, but provides greater context to the behavior. There are three factors of the influence processes, which was a phrase coined by social, social psychologists after World War II. They are behavior modification techniques, group conformity, and obedience to authority. An example of behavior modification techniques was presided by Hassan. A class of psychology students once conspired to use behavior modification techniques on their teacher. As the professor lectured, the students would smile and seem attentive when he moved to the left side of the room. When he moved to the right, the students would act unengaged and listless. Before long, the professor began to drift to the left, and a few classes would lean against the wall the entire lecture. When students told the professor of their experiment, he insisted nothing of the sort happened. He saw nothing odd about leaning against the wall and angrily insisted that it was his own lecture style and free will. Did you notice what happened? The students influence his behaviors. So if they act more engaged to the left, the professor, understanding this and suddenly understanding that, moved to the left and began to stay on the left. But when this thing was brought up, he vehemently rejected it. That's how subtle, that is how subtle behavior modification techniques work. Hmm. Now, more than often, 
we aren't experiencing subtle behavior modification techniques by the people around us. But in cults, these tactics are employed around new recruits with no idea. Group conformity and obedience to authority are the hook and uppercut of the group dynamics and cults. Stop me if you heard this prison experiment by Dr. Phillips Embargo, which he says showed the power of situations. In this experiment, healthy, relatively normal young men were randomly divided into two groups, prisoners and guards. This was to last for two weeks, but it had to be called off after only six days due to the cruelty being enacted by the perceived guards upon prisoners. People who see themselves as being obedient to authority are not deviating from the group, are capable of all types of harm. Social psychologist Stanley Milgram tested people for obedience for authority and found that over 90% of his subjects would obey orders even if they believed they were harming other people. Good people do terrible things when the situation calls for it. When we do not know what to do, we look to others in our environment that we see as having authority to conform to. Then what happens? when our individual identity is disrupted and belongs to a cult. Anything can happen based upon what the cult says is the right action. I repeat, when your identity is disrupted and it belongs to a cult, anything can happen. Mind control, as we discussed, is a subtle and deliberate process about disrupting the individual self. There are four components of mind control, according to Hassan, which form an acronym called BITE, which stands for behavior, information, thought, and emotional control. Behavior control is the regulation of one's physical reality, where the person lives, what they eat, what clothes they wear, the jobs they can undertake, how they spend money, and other actions. Cults often have strict regimens, which includes rituals and indoctrination activities. There is always something to do. And your time belongs to the cult because your behavior must be controlled. Your behavior is often controlled to a greater degree because everything you do is with the group. Groups and cults eat, sleep, and work together. You may even be assigned a buddy or put with other already acclimated members. Behavior seen as positive to the group is rewarded publicly and the punishment is done in a similar fashion. Those who experience the punishment come to believe that they deserve it for their actions against the group. Leaders of cults understand that if they can control your behavior, they will eventually control your innermost thoughts and feelings. Next in the model is information control. Information controls how we shape our reality, and cults fundamentally seek to alter that reality. Cults keep certain information away from its members that keep them from making their own informed decisions. Cults will not disclose information. They forbid certain forms of media and label them as unhealthy. Members are kept so busy that they won't even seek out information. What information they do receive is closely monitored and more than often tailored to the cult's ideologies. Information control also occurs between people. Members are not allowed to talk to each other critically about the leader, doctrine, or organization. Members often spy on one another and report to the higher in command. The largest part is that members are told to avoid former members and people critical of the leader. Some members have their phone call screened and closely manage to avoid outside contact. Information from members are kept on a need-to-know basis 
and are only unlocked once other levels of membership are entered. The person is given all the information on the cult when they are deemed ready by the members of higher status. By doing this, cult members are unable to make fully informed decisions and objective claims. They promise that things will be revealed in time and that your doubts will be calmed. Questioners occur and those who question outwardly are often given an external goal to focus on until they forget their objections. Thought control is the third step in the process, which includes indoctrinating members through a new language system and thought-stopping techniques. Members of a cult must be in control of their thoughts and focus those thoughts on the doctrine or truth. Everything outside of the leader is bad and wrong. Inside the cult is where you are safe, understood, and right. All complexities are made simple through the leader's doctrine. The new language system is used to control one's thought. Simplistic labels are given to complex thoughts and problems. The new language also separates the individual from outside members, which more often draws newcomers who want to have a greater understanding despite that understanding means just accepting and believing. Members also experiencing thought control by blocking out anything critical of the group. Members set up a wall instantly when criticized by the outside. They are prepared before their indoctrination process from older members who train them to brush off any criticism as a personal attack. The most pervasive form of thought control are thought-stopping techniques. Thought-stopping techniques are taught to members to keep their minds pure or become more effective members. Some cult members pray, meditate, chant, or speak in tongues. The person is trained to use these at the first sign of doubt within their minds. Over time, people don't even realize that they are doing this activity in response to a bad thought. The thought-stopping technique makes members believe that they are growing greater in their commitment to the group. They can only have positive thoughts about the group and leader. The last part of this acronym is emotional control. The group begins to narrow and manipulate the individual's range of feelings. Cults deal in absolutes. You are either a magnificent spiritual being or a broken person who must be redeemed. Guilt and fear are the overt tools of cults. Guilt comes in many ways, ranging from identity, history, past actions, to social guilt, and can all be and will be exploited by cult leaders. Members always take the blame and are conditioned to do so. They willingly accept the punishment for their perceived poor behavior. Fear is used to bind group members. An outside enemy is created. And then the fear comes from the inside as well, because members do not want to face punishment from their leaders and members. To control someone's emotions, you have to redefine their feelings. I say this again, to control someone's emotions, you have to redefine their feelings. Cults redefine happiness for members, despite them not being happy. For example, if a cult believes that God's happiness is your happiness, but in this instance, if God's version of happy is one that promotes self-punishment, then through your suffering, you can become happy. Positive emotions, such as loyalty and devotion, are positively reinforced. Negative emotions are not accepted. It is about the group's happiness, 
not the individual's satisfaction. They can be instructed on who to marry, who in their family they give the leader to in some cases. And if they do not act as instructed are made to feel selfish. Cults use past sins to control your feelings as well. Public confessions are large parts of cults, which allow for members to manipulate your current feelings with your omission of past transgressions. If you get out of line, groups remind you of what you have confessed. And the confession becomes less cathartic and turns into a greater tool of manipulation and isolation. Anything, just like with the police, you say can and will be used against you within a cult, whether you are a devotee or decide to leave. The most potent piece of emotional control is phobia indoctrination. Phobia indoctrination is the creation of the idea that members are systematically made to feel phobic about leading the group. Members see everything outside of the group as a hostile force, and despite their desires to leave, they are in imminent danger of some form of annihilation from the outside once they leave. Cults may say that people are able to leave whenever, but when you are in complete fear of anything outside of the group, are you actually free? We've gone over these components of mind control, but now I must enter the three steps to employing mind control called unfreezing, changing, and refreezing which is a concept created by Kurt Lewin. Unfreezing consists of breaking the person down. Changing constitutes the indoctrination process. And refreezing is the process of building up and reinforcing that new identity. For our first part, which is unfreezing, many see this as an awakening process. The reality of the member must be shaken to open them up. This is often done through new diets, sleep deprivation, and hypnotic processes. Unfreezing is the most effective in controlled environment like estates, hotels, ballrooms. Many use constant phrases to disorientate the possibly new member and use sensory overload to overwhelm the person or be guided through rituals. People during these processes become weakened psychologically and the group begins more intentional practices that include notions that the person is flawed and must change. Public humiliation is often used as a tactic for unfreezing. Changing, which is the next step, imposes a new personal identity filled with behaviors, thoughts, and emotions. Members are indoctrinated by spending time with other members, doing repetitive rituals to highlight certain things that show the old self is flawed and a new self through the group to be your greatest self. Your new identity is slowly rolled out to you and the only way for you to exist happily is through your new self. The group is the largest piece of this part of mind control because people are deliberately broken into groups that reflect the ideas required for the individual. Members confess former transgressions and celebrate their new self with other members. Members are highly celebrated for behaviors that align with the group and receive isolation when they employ the opposite. This pressure forms a new person because it's the only way you can survive in that environment socially. The final portion is refreezing and reinforcement of the new person. They are given a new identity and purpose through the group. Members of group abandon their old self, family, and outside influences to completely accept the group. 
new members of this process are more often paired with older members so that they can model after them. Members may change their name, style, cadence of speaking, control of finances, and eating habits. To reinforce this, many members are taken out of areas where they are reminded of their old selves, such as their hometowns, to new places where only the new self exists. After this, they are usually made to be new recruiters to reinforce their ideology by reaching out to others or fundraise in extreme conditions would make them believe vigorously in their cause. After these trials, they are indoctrinated again and then can become a true recruiter of new members. The new self is here and ready to create new men. I know a lot of this that sounds familiar to you. We are not as immune or isolated from mind control as we would think. We see ourselves as invulnerable. But how many of us have been influenced by this process by an organization or an individual? Now, with this in mind, let's change how we view the cult follower. We see cult followers as isolated individuals on the fringe of every form of society. This isn't the case, though. Most cult members are educated and seen to be normal members of society. They are our co-workers, cousins, former classmates, and lovers. We are all vulnerable to cult influence and mind control. Cults more often seek out what society considers to be the best and brightest because they have so much value to the cult recruitment-wise. They seek out charismatic, attractive, and creative people to bolster the cult's recruitment power. Your high school valedictorian, your physician, your favorite actor, or influencer of choice are more than just susceptible. They are highly sought out. You too could be in the cult. And you too can get out. Now, with all this said, I hope this creeps you out and makes you unsettled. Because I am unsettled. And we'll become a little more uncomfortable within the next few episodes. I hope you're prepared. There'll be a lot of information. But you can use it. We can use it. And somebody themselves. Match man. Hey y'all, it's Matt. If you'd like to engage with me and provide input, follow my personal Twitter at underscore it's Matt man or for the podcast at match Matt underscore for Twitter and Instagram. Tell me what type of topics interest you all and we can tailor certain episodes to meet those interests. Once again, on Twitter at underscore it's Matt man that's Matt with two t's or on Twitter or IG as at match Matt underscore also do not forget to subscribe follow rate and review the podcast your feedback is extremely important to my ability to enhance the quality of this show and I like to give you the best that I can so please subscribe follow rate and review the podcast wherever you listen to podcasts